Hey, Buster. Yeah, what's going on, Axel? Hey, how many revs did you get today? Uh, I got 12 in. I got 12 revs in. Uh, 12's not bad on a short run. Any thumbs up or waves? You know what? Not one damn thumbs up or wave. Not one. Really? Were you right next to the people when you revved? Yeah, right next to them. I pulled up right next to them, revved, nothing. Did did they act disgusted? That's what I got yeah. every single rev today. Yeah, you know what? You know what? That's all I'm getting. And, and I'm sick of this. What are we even doing, Buster? I mean, I, I've been thinking about quitting. I'm, I'm, I should sell my bike. This isn't working. No, hey, Herbert Axel Goochman. What are you talking about? Let's not lose focus. Who made that sad old man smile and wave last November outside the antique store on King Avenue after a perfectly timed rev? Yeah, I did. Who I, did? I, I, okay, I, I did. I did. Whose pipes hit 90 decibels at only 2,000 RPMs? Yeah, mine do, but but what about these, these parents' faces when we make their kids cry? That's not who we rev for. Axel, I've never told you this, but one day I was late on my Harley payments and they were about to repossess it. I was stressed to the max. You, yes you, Axel, you drove by when I was outside the shopping center and your angelic pipes let out one of the most beautiful resonant revs that reverberated off the building walls like something from the Philharmonic Orchestra. That sound inspired me to get my third job and make those payments up. And you know what? That's who we rev for. Someone down on their luck that needs us. You you know what? You're right. That's I forgot all this time while we've been revving. Yeah. yeah I, you know, uh, there for a while I thought it was just a super annoying thing to do to people. But, no. but it helps them. It helps. They love it. Yeah. You know what? You know, on the way back over here, I was kind of bummed out and I didn't rev on them, but I saw these kids out on the playground at this new school down the road on yeah. 3rd Street. Yeah. Let's go rev on them. Yeah, man. Kids love motorcycles. And you know what? There, there's not a chance of this, but if they don't if they don't wave and give us thumbs up, you know, I will sell my bike. You know what? I will too. Let's go down there and rev like we've never rev before. And if we don't get a reaction, <laughs> we'll sell our bikes. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Let's go rev on them. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Come on. No. Let's go. Pull, pull the choke. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Now give a little gas. Oh, yeah. Give it a little. Hey, 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 hey yeah. yeah. And off they rode on their steel horses towards the Lou Ferrigno School for the Deaf. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn Amantis. You can find us online at www.dawnamantis.com. Also on Twitter at Dawn of Mantis. Joe, it's been a while since we've been in the studio. Three yeah. weeks, you just said, sir. Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, we th- we threw out some old episodes. Kind of like uh, if you remember your favorite 80s sitcom, then all of a sudden you turn it on. You're like, hey, I bet there's a new episode on tonight. And it's like somebody like hits their head and they have flashbacks, <laughs> but it's all like other episodes. Yeah. 
So that's that's cue for we could only get one cast member to come in. Right. So they're like having flashbacks. So the, I, that that the, that version of the show, the editor is like, crap, I'm going to be up all night splicing all these clips together. I think every <laughs> sitcom had at least one of those episodes. Yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. And or, you, or they were like, hey, you remember this time? You kind of feel cheated. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I wonder why they did that. You I wonder just, why. I don't know. I guess that was probably like. Not everyone had to come in, you know? That's probably just like a way to save some money. They're like, let's just phone it in on one episode. Yeah. It's like, hey, go back in the back, John, and just get whatever clips you can find. <laughs> and we'll be like, hey, remember that time you got your foot stuck in the radiator? <laughs> and, then they'll sh- and then they'll just show that. And yeah. And the, but the only thing, Family Guy, I don't uh, blame them for doing. It's like they, they do that all the time. All the time. And it's all a new content. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's kind of like that time when you decided to try it for the Yankees, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That might be one of their cutscenes. I don't know. Oh, so listen, it's a little bit weird. I know, but you know, we when we ran the last three episodes, which we pulled out of the vault, yes. we did that because we had all these amazing things we were going to do. We we're going to go yeah. on vacation. We were going to do this. Yeah. We were going to do that. And then, as I, as all you know, are we in week three or four of this coronavirus thing? Well, I mean, it us. I well, hmm. I, I, I that's a vague question. Like I, because, I think early. Early in the month is when it was all hitting, like, the first few weeks. The first few days of the month is when okay. it started getting ramped up. Okay. I don't I don't remember. I think whenever it we got to, like, New York was when you could call it the beginning for uh, United States. But, uh, and you made, it, you made this comment one day, and it's very interesting, very intriguing, and there's a good chance of this. I mean, it could have gotten here a lot earlier, and there could have been people that got it and recovered from it before or maybe even sadly died from it that were never diagnosed. Obviously with as many people as we're talking about that, that could be a case. I mean, it could have been here a lot earlier than, I, I than we hundred percent believe it think. probably was. Yeah. And so. if, if anyone wants to know my full take on the whole thing, just listen to our, our little companion episode to this. What was it? 71. It's right 45? before 71.5. So it's right before yeah, this one. You should check it out. Joe has some uh, perspective on that. He, he relates it to some other things that are, uh, equally as bad or well, actually not even things that are equally as bad just things that are equal or actually more likely to happen to you yeah. uh, that aren't in the media we aren't making a huge deal about it uh, I, I guess it's kind of like this is the new Christmas gift kind of thing <laughs> uh, and, and it's just the uncertainty I guess f- for my point of view is why um, it gets so much press True. listen I, I don't have cable so you made a point about 24 hour news. Uh, yeah. Like Norm Macdonald said one time in a bit, turns out there's not that much news. He, right. he said when we were kids, I think I've said this on the podcast before when we were kids, there was about a 30 minute, uh, the news at night at 10 o'clock. And he said, heck, they can't even fill all that with news. Right. <laughs> like the end of it was sports. And then the very last thing was some funny thing about a dog. Yeah. The, like a heartwarming thing. Yeah. That's yeah. True. World's ugliest dog contest in Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. Today. And I don't remember back in the day. I don't remember bias in news. It was just the president said this. This senator did this. And that happened. And this happened. And good night. Thank you for listening. I don't yeah, remember the spin like on it. The bias and the spin we got to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like exactly. we got to do and kind of the spit and whittle club when we talk to other people about right. it. Uh, but which, now, if you want to hear, if you want to hear, President Trump is is awesome and the savior of the world, you go sure. listen to Tucker Carlson. If yeah. you want to hear that he's a loon and a jackass, you go listen to yeah. Steve Colbert. You can Answer get whatever somewhere you want. in the middle. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. But anyway, so instead of doing all the fun things and going on vacation, uh, you know, my family's going to go to the beach. Well, that got canceled because uh, yeah, the, that's, the beach got canceled. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically, we just didn't do anything, but we already planned. We already posted those episodes, so we just kind of took a break for yeah, a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. I mean, that that gives us some time to kind of spend some time with family and do some things. So not really much of anything, but. Uh, you know, I think if we can learn anything and, and I'm echoing what I've seen on several reports, uh, we have some time to where some people actually stay at home and realize, um, just how much they appreciate their family. Some people that have just worked and worked and worked. Sadly, you know, people's incomes are affected and things like that. Uh, unemployment and all that stuff. I hate that. I'm not trying to make light of any of that. But, I mean, you get some time to to stay at home with little Jimmy. And, uh, hey, little Jimmy's a cool kid. I didn't know it. He's my own kid. But, <laughs> I forgot. Uh, yeah, I forgot he was cool. So, hey, uh, you know, and, and I make that point a lot. I mean, um, we have in this world, we have a lot of parents that work really hard. And, and that's kind of just the way their life works out to where they have to spend a lot of time at work. Just, you know, just kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, they they got to put um, food on the table and pay pay for the house and all that kinds of stuff. So yep. uh, all those types of things. And they're working on building their careers, which, you know, is all cool stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of sad that that's affecting all that. Well, Jess and I are lucky in that, especially me, uh, my job's not, I can't just like shut down the the water plant and walk away yeah, yeah. And, and let 750,000 gallons of raw waste go into the river every day, you know. Job so security. My job's secure. Yeah. Uh, her, my wife's is as well so far. Um, she works in a in a branch of the medical field, but anyway, yeah. Um, so far, it it is yeah untouched. That's good. So life for us is really it doesn't feel any different. Yeah, I mean, we still go yeah. to work and come home. Um, my daughter, of course, you know they canceled school everywhere. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So that is a little different. She's at home now doing work on computer and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's strange what, times. Yeah, I've been running uh my classes from like an online uh, um, you know, like an online class. Uh, what I decided to do was I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a core subject. I'm kind of a secondary specialty subject. So I have the ability to actually kind of send out some things that I think are educational slash fun. So, uh, and that's, that's kind of where I'm trying to stay at. Like, Hey, you know, you can only watch so much TV. You can only do this so long. Come on. Yeah. Let's do something educational, but I'll try to make it as fun as I can for you. Well, yeah, the, at Lexi's school, the, we got an email and they're doing this game with all the kids at home. And it's called, I think it's like the quirky quarantine scavenger hunt. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, they give you different things to find in your house. And, you know, it's just a, it's a, yeah. it's a community thing that they can do together. Yeah, and, that's cool. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's fun for the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make it fun for them. For yeah. sure. And so, yeah, um, I, I, I keep having this knee-jerk reaction to go into my thoughts on it. But anyway, I already rambled about that for eight minutes on the 71.5. So just listen to that. Anyway. 71.5 hits of 80s, 90s. Oh, wait, no. No, hits Episode. of COVID-19 hits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, half an episode back. So check that out when you get a chance. Maybe you already listened to it. So that's pretty cool. You are diligent. You are so here we go. This is episode 72, Preston Tucker and the car of the future. future yeah, future, yeah. Future. And lots of podcasts are either not recording or they're recording from remote locations with Skype. Ivan and I are in the same yeah. studio. Yeah. And we are less brave than six it. feet from each other. Yeah, like 5.3 feet. Yeah, so, so we're we're doing it, man. But there's only two of us. Uh, it's, it's, 
groups of 10 or less, right? So uh, I believe so, I yeah. We're good. We're good. Yeah. So, yeah, like I cut you off, but yeah. All, all you eight people are, you, get the hell out of get here. Get out of here, groupies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find them. <laughs> that's what I our, won't take my cheesecake. That's, that's what our groupies would sound like. Uh, yeah, that's obviously is a... Okay, Thelma. <laughs> so, yes, tonight we are going to do part one of our two-part series on Preston Tucker and his car of the future. Future, future. Like future, I would say. future. Are we ready? I like it. Play. In the mid-1940s, American businessman and entrepreneur Preston Tucker took the automotive world by storm with a car unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. It stood head and shoulders above the outdated designs of its competitors and outclassed them in most other areas as well. In an era when safety was but an afterthought, the Tucker had shatterproof pop-out windows, a chassis that protected occupants in a side impact, a roll bar within the roof, and a padded dashboard. In a time when Ford, GM, and Chrysler, otherwise known as the Big Three, hadn't updated any of their designs in several years, the Tucker had self-sealing tubeless tires independent springless suspension, and most famously, a center Cyclops headlight, which would turn in the same direction as the steering wheel in order to improve visibility around corners during night driving. That's crazy. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, go to our website, and, and I'll put some pictures of the Tucker on there. I, in, in my past, I've had a lot of cars of the present. <laughs> you know? The car of today. The Pontiac Fiero. Yeah. <laughs> I did have the Pontiac Fiero. Yes, I know. I remember. That was a definitely a car of the day. Or, well, not even that day, like a few days before. Yeah. I had a Chevy Love. Oh, yeah. L-U-V. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, to spell it differently is so revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> every time I drove it, every goddamn time. I, I called it a game. The game was called, Will I Get There? <laughs> Every time. This truck, at one, at, so it was a five-speed, it was Welcome, a standard. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Will I Get There? <laughs> and our contestant is Joe Hall. And his goddamn Chevy Love pickup. It was like a 74 or something. But anyway, I, like at one stoplight, it would, it would be revving at 2,500 RPM. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god! Like hitting the gas, trying to get it to idle down. At the next stoplight, it would two RPM. try to die, and you got to keep the gas. I'm like, what is wrong with it? it blub, was, blub, yeah, blub, yeah. And I'm not like the greatest mechanic in the world, but I've kept. I mean, I've owned a lot of old crappy cars, and I've kept them all running. Yeah. But this, this was, was the cursed. one truck that yeah. it, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I've had some of those for sure. Yeah. I had a car that threw a CV joint like oh like. You wouldn't believe how often I I went to AutoZone and the guy's like, uh, "You need a CV joint?" It's like, "Yeah," kind of like the old bartender joke. Hey, the usual. <laughs> oh yeah, CV joint on the rocks. Uh, but uh, it, it's it was crazy. I put like six CV joints in that thing. Was and that? That is a LeBaron. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of like Where's it, it is like they had uh they they would ask questions like, "Well, is everything aligned properly?" It's like I don't know. I mean. It, <laughs> It never crashed. I mean, chances are maybe it crashed and something was out of line a little bit, or maybe I drove the crap out of it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, 
around that plastic boot. Uh, now we're going to get into shop talk. Oh, uh, those you could move that plastic plastic boot in like uh, the cylindrical uh, ball bearings. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I they're do. not ball bearings, but whatever those bearings are called, they just drop in your hand. Right. Yeah. They just fall out of the joint. So wow. Uh, I kind of went in depth on that one, <laughs> but it's just crazy. That's what would happen all the time. Yeah, you're bordering on D3500 talk <laughs> <back> there. <laughs> Yeah, I think the flange settings were all off. That's why that happened. So I told you about this, and we're going to get to Preston. Uh, but a guy at work had a, has listened to our D3500. Every time he sees me, he's like, hey, man, you check your flange clearances yeah, today. Yeah, the I PDF love download. <laughs> Unsubstantiated company gook. Turns out that's not the only bogus thing we got from China with this coronavirus. <laughs> all right, okay. So, yeah, other than the revolutionary center headlight that turned in the same direction as your steering wheel. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. The entire package was powered by a rear-mounted modified helicopter engine that would rocket the big car from zero to 60 faster than any other American car on the market and still maintain good gas mileage to boot. (laughs) What? (laughs) That was so funny. That's To me, that hit me me right in the funny bone right there. (laughs) <laughs> Read that part I'm really again. trying to sell it. Ready? Uh, yeah, do that again. I it like rocketed it. the big car from zero to 60 faster than any other American car on the market and still maintained good gas mileage to boot. Why is that so funny to I you? I don't know. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I don't know why it's so funny. I mean, it's probably true. <laughs> I was thinking what would be funny if, like, if somebody installed something wrong and you're going around the corner, like you took a sharp left and the headlight went right. Wouldn't that suck? <laughs> Like, dang it. Derpy. <laughs> uh, okay. So after hearing all this, you're probably wondering, why haven't I heard of Tucker before? If this car was so great, whatever happened to it? And why doesn't everyone have a 2020 Tucker sedan in the driveway right now? I don't know. Those are good and simple questions with fairly complicated answers. But that's why Ivan and I are here to answer those questions and to cover the fascinating and fairly tragic tale of the Tucker 48, the best car you never heard of. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's such a good tagline for, it's almost like if if they were still in business, like this is the best car you've never heard of. <laughs> it's like, hey, we should work on that a little bit. Uh, so I had this idea. I went in the auto parts store the other day to get some oil for the lawnmower. CV joint? And no, no, no. I didn't, no, luckily I'm done with that. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I went in there and if it was going to be the right guy, you know, you have your auto parts guy that, you know, you can joke around with. Yeah. So I had this line in my head and I wanted to deliver it, but then I walked in and the guy wasn't there. I was so let down, <laughs> but I was going to be like, yeah, I need a, I need some, uh, I need a, uh, what did I say? Oh, I need a blink, blinker fluid pump for a 2020 Etzel. <laughs> But uh, sadly, the guy wasn't in there. It's oh. not, it, I just realized in the middle of delivering all that, it's not really cool to uh, to kind of take material that you were going to throw out in the parts store. It's not ready for a podcast. <laughs> You're outside, think. like going over it in your head. Okay, yeah. I'm blinker fluid. I'm, I'm pacing back and forth in front of. <laughs> what should I say first? Okay, blinker fluid first. Yeah, that's that's better. I don't need a th- rule of threes. Comedy's rule of th- and timing. I can't forget. I can't forget timing, about the timing. Yeah. Number one cool. Number one rule of comedy is timing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got it. Okay, I'm ready. I don't know. <laughs> hey, by the way, if anyone wants to look up an Edsel, just type in the Ford Edsel, mm. the ugliest car. I think it holds the official title as the ugliest car Detroit ever Isn't made. that the, doesn't it have like a weird middle grill that's like gigantic? Yes. and yeah. It's like, it's like vertical. 
Yeah, that's right. God damn, it's ugly. I mean, it's another an ugly car, car did that, and they actually did it well. I can't remember around that same era, but uh, maybe a Pontiac or something. Oh, there's but, no telling. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so to understand the story of the car, we first have to understand the man after which it was named, Preston Tucker. So. Preston was born on September 21st, 1903, and his parents and him, Harvey and Lucille, had lived on a peppermint farm near Capac, Michigan. Now, peppermints grow on the ground? <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, man, when I hear peppermint farm, I think of like, I, I think of the same thing as you. I think of Candyland. Like, I think of actual red and white peppermints Candyland. growing everywhere. Uh, yeah, like, we, we know it's a mint. Fantastic. It's like Willy Wonka. We know, well, at least we think we know, that that doesn't grow in the ground. Uh, now, have you ever been to a Jolly Ranch for uh, uh, Jolly Ranch? Jolly Ranch. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. Can you imagine just growing out of the ground? Oh, that'd be fantastic. A cherry little sour tree. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> okay, so they lived on a peppermint farm near Capac. Is that Capac? Michigan. The, Why'd you say it like an alien? Come back, come back. <laughs> Mars attacks. <laughs> you can tell we haven't got to record for a while. We're all over the place yeah. tonight. <laughs> oh, damn. No, that to me, that's like, go, go packs. I know that's more Wisconsin, but you know, that's that, that's that Northern Michigan area, right? Yeah. Or oh, further out. Like, oh crap. Or further out like space, but. But Preston did most of his growing up in the Detroit suburb of Lincoln Park. Crawling in my skin. That's on. I was going to. In the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. They will. No, that's in my eyes. <laughs> Everyone has turned us off by now. Put my trust in you. Look as far as I can go. I guarantee you no one's listening by this point. Yeah, they are. Okay, sure. You're still with me? Bob. His mother <laughs> His mother was a teacher and his father was a railroad engineer. However, Preston's time with his father was cut tragically short. Let's find out as I turn the page. When Harvey Tucker passed away due to complications from appendicitis when Preston was just a toddler. Aww. This left the newly widowed Lucille to raise her son on her own, and she definitely had her hands full. From an early age, Preston was obsessed with cars, motorcycles, and how fast they could go. He learned how to drive at 11, and by 16, Preston was already buying cars, fixing them up, and selling them for impressive profits. It wasn't lost on Lucille that her son had a sharp mind and was mathematically inclined, or mechanically. What did I say Oh, well. I, I mean, maybe he was good at math, too. Hell, no, I don't know. I mean, I thought you were just saying that he sold them, that he sold cars early, and he was, like, good for math. <laughs> He's like, well, if I saw all like this, it'd be a 32% profit margin. That's pretty good. Hey, okay. That's what I meant then. <laughs> Screw you guys. He was mathematically inclined. And it was obvious that he wanted to work with cars in some way. Mrs. Tucker was probably not too thrilled, though, when her son dropped out of high school to work in the mailroom at the Cadillac plant. For Preston, it couldn't have been too exciting either, but it was a foot in the door. He worked hard and was good at what he did. He even wore, supposedly, roller skates so that he could zip around the building faster and get more done. So, that's cool. interesting. Yeah, kind of like a sonic car. Yeah. <laughs> it was also around this time that he joined the Lincoln Park Police Department. Crawling in my skin, pull your car to the shoulder. <laughs> I don't know. And then Chester Bennington comes up, do you know how fast you were driving? <laughs> 
so stupid. What's wrong with me? No, don't you, don't you <laughs> doubt yourself. That was funny. I was laughing. Come on, man. So he joined this, the force not so much to serve and protect, but as an excuse to drive the high-performance police cars and motorcycles. This was short-lived, though, as his mother had him removed from the force, pointing out to the department officials that he was below the department's minimum required age, which you think they would have noticed when they hired him. Yeah, maybe he's big for his age. Maybe so. One know. of those guys that gets a beard real early. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Maybe he lied on his application. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And mm. then just needed people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Preston had a lot of irons in the fire, even in his late teens to early 20s. Apart from the mailroom job at Cadillac and his brief stint as a police officer, he was also married by age 20, and he and his new bride, Vera, took over the lease on a gas station to start their own business. Over the next several years, Preston left the mailroom and started working on an assembly line at the Ford Motor Company, then took his job back at the Lincoln Park PD for a little while, and amongst all this would skip around working for various other car companies, selling Studebakers and Packers, working for Chrysler, Packards that is, and even taking over a dealership selling Pierce Arrows for a time. You know, I don't know if you're a history buff, but uh, Ford, <laughs> Ford and that assembly line was one, one hot little commodity. it's one of those things when i started talking and i realized like i got no outlet i got i got nowhere i I don't even know where i'm going with this so i'm just gonna maybe if i open my mouth some the correct words will fall out i wish y'all could have seen the seen him say that just a hot little commodity (laughs) i think that was big throughout history hey i will tell you this mcdonald's mcdonald's was uh the they modeled their early um the way they did the restaurant around ford's assembly lines really they're like what if we could do like the assembly on assembly line process for a burger and that might have worked He's like, you see that? You take that axle off there, you put a goddamn quesadilla on it. Oh, no, McDonald's uh, sesame seed bun. So, well, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't know if this is true, but the movie Founder with uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton, is an amazing, uh, it's a movie, not documentary, but it's kind of like a documentary style a little bit. About the whole uh, birth of McDonald's? Yeah, but they actually showed the scene where they went to this, uh, I, I guess, a tennis court or a basketball court in the guys took chalk and they drew out the, the way they wanted the restaurant to run. And they had like employees come up and they were like, well, if this guy goes here, he goes over here and he won't get in that guy's way. And like we football this- plays. Yeah. But they drew all the equipment like where it would go. And then they're like, no, we should put that there. It's going to be better, more efficient. Oh, wow. And they, the whole goal is to make like the burgers as cheap and as fast as they can. Obviously, I mean, the rest is history he henry forded it you're right there's there's other history behind that too i mean the guy ray crock he was kind of a second like a second wave guy uh he took it further right uh and uh it's it's a michael keaton's great uh who's the guy from parks and rec with the big mustache uh uh uh, nick Nick offerman yeah he's awesome in it oh he's in it too yeah and and the guy from fargo the bald-headed guy that's married to the cop yeah i can't remember uh yeah he's he was in drew carey show uh, he's a great, he's, oh, he's great in it too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I just want to plug it because it's one of my favorite, one of the best movies I've seen in the last two or three years. Wow. Yeah. It's really good. Found, cool. It's called founder. founder. It, it's not on anything that I can think of. Okay. So you'll have to buy that one or rent it. Sounds like it'd be worth it. It's worth it. I yeah. promise it is. 
So listen, uh, going back for a minute, I do want to point out that, you know, I, I threw out some names there like Packards, Studebakers, Pierce Arrows, right? So unless you're a car nut, which we are, uh, you mm-hmm. probably haven't heard or you didn't recognize several of those names. So here's the deal. There were a lot of car companies that failed in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, not just the Tucker. There was the previously mentioned Studebaker, Packard, and Pierce Arrow, but there was also the Nash, the Kaiser Fraser, the Stutz, the Hudson, and the Duesenberg, among others, despite some of their German-sounding names, they were all American car companies. Some of these companies were pretty innovative themselves, but still managed to fail. So I guess the Tucker stands out because of its innovative design and technology that was years ahead of this time. But we'll get back to the Tucker for now. And it seems like, you know, I can't think of a specific example, but it seems like just because you're the most innovative in any field, uh, it doesn't mean you're the one that's going to be the Ford or the Chevy nope. or the Apple or the or the Samsung. Uh, there, there were some early tablets that came out way before the iPad that had better performance, a lot of the same features uh, before they ever thought about doing an iPad, and it just didn't go. Um, it took the marketing prowess of Steve, Apple to make just, that it go. It took Steve Jobs, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, well, it's just like, you know, like Nike could probably put out a lot of crazy crap just because it has the Nike swoosh on right, it. Right, yeah. Swoosh. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, marketing and, and timing, uh, kind of like comedy. Timing. Timing is yeah. everything. Yeah, timing. <laughs> Your joke will always work if you're like, hey. <laughs> so... At this time, it's the early 30s, and the speed-obsessed Preston had started making monthly trips to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to watch the races. No one, uh, I'm sorry, on one of these trips, he happens to meet one of his idols, Harry Miller. Okay, so we could do a whole episode on Harry Miller. This guy's fascinating. If you've never heard of him, which sadly most people have not, he is one of the most innovative men in history. In short, he was a race car designer and engine builder, having built the first front-wheel-driven race cars. He was also the first to produce aluminum pistons, develop aluminum alloys that are still used in engines to this day. He also developed the first carburetors and induction system to use Hemholtz resonators, which sounds like something on a D3500. It is. And was even involved in the development of the first Jeep. Oh, and he also built the first outboard motor. However, Ole Evinrude took Harry's design removed two cylinders and got the first patent, but it was Harry Miller who made the first one. I'm sick of theft of invention. <laughs> That's all I ever... You deep dive on something and you find out that the original guy didn't make anything from it. Right. It's it's sad that, you know, this guy uh, uh, that pretty much was responsible for early radio died penniless uh, and alone. Uh, Tesla, same thing. The reason why our phones work and the way they do is because of a lot of the things they uh, alternate in current motor. The guy's ripped off, man. What about the teenage boy who invented television first? Have you ever heard that story? No, I have not. Oh, we got to look that. We got to talk about that at some point. And oh, look that's... it up. I can't remember the kid's name, but he invented the, he has a blueprint and everything. I'm talking with the screen and the reflection and, and the, really? every, yes. And he, he was ripped off. He made the television like years before oh, it was invented. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, anyway, we should do an episode about that. Yeah, man. That is really fascinating. An episode called Invention Ripoffs. Yeah. Setting the record straight. Donna Mantis, episode 84. Let's go. <laughs> so. Harry Miller built cars that won the Indy 500 nine times, and other cars using his engines won three more times. 
Even in his own time, Harry was already a legend. Anyway, Preston was in awe of Harry and the racing business as a whole, even moving to Indianapolis to be closer to the race scene. While there, he took another job as a manager for a beer distributing company, but he spent every spare moment at the track with Harry. Now, Harry Miller was a brilliant engineer, for sure, but not quite as brilliant as a businessman. Harry went bankrupt in 1933, and Preston immediately persuaded him to join forces with him and build race cars together, and that is how Miller and Tucker Incorporated was formed in 1935. Their first big job was to build 10 high-performance Ford V8 race cars Sorry, for Henry Ford himself. Unfortunately, though, they were put on an incredibly tight time frame, and their final product was not quite as polished as they had hoped for. As a result of the hasty rollout, the steering boxes on all entrants overheated and locked up, causing them to drop out of the race. It is worth noting that after these, uh, after this, the boxes were perfected, and Indy used these for the next 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's just they had to roll them out too quick. It wasn't quite done, but once they put the finishing touches on them, uh, it, was the, it was the standard for over a decade. Oh, that's wow, so yeah, that's good, yeah. But wow. race cars weren't all Preston was keen on developing. While taking a forced break from work after an, after an appendectomy in 1937, which must have been scary because that's how his dad died, uh, Preston was thumbing through the paper, reading about the looming war over in Europe, and he hatched an idea. He would design a nimble, fast, but sturdy armored car. As soon as he recovered, he moved his family back to Michigan, where he bought some property in Ypsilanti, renovated an old barn where he operated a machine shop called the Ypsilanti Machine and Tool Company. Here is where he planned to develop his future automotive creations, and it wasn't long until he would have his chance to design an armored car. The Dutch government commissioned Ypsilanti Machine and Tool Company to design and build a lightweight armored car for their military. Calling on his old friend, Harry Miller, the pair got to work and soon developed a narrow wheel-based vehicle with a Miller-modified Packard V12 engine. The car was nicknamed the Tucker Tiger. And production was set to begin in Rahway, I think that's how it says, uh, New Jersey, factory owned by American Armament Corporation. However, in a stroke of bad luck that wasn't the first nor the last for Preston Tucker, the Germans invaded the Netherlands in 1940 before his deal with them was finished and the Dutch government subsequently lost interest. Yeah, and that's another thing I'm tired of. Hitler. <laughs> the guy ruins everything. <laughs> if you've noticed, I don't know if you... I don't know if you read, read up on him I'm much. I'm so sick of Hitler. Golly. The, you know, the more I read about him, the less I like that guy. <laughs> He's just terrible. You know, this is... He's a jerk. This is not the first time. I feel like the Preston Tucker story is just a loop of him having something just within his grasp and then losing it. Oh, man. I've, yeah. I've never seen someone almost as much as Preston Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy story, man. Yeah, it definitely is. But he always came back. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I have nothing to say. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm saying, yep, that's, uh, yeah. That means you don't got a lot. <laughs> Just to let you know. After this devastating news, Preston completed more prototypes and tried to sell it to the U.S. military. There was some interest, but the brass was scared off after test driving the vehicle. It could easily cruise at speeds well over 100 miles an hour, which was way too fast for the little narrow uh, wheel-based vehicle, and the car was deemed unsafe. Now, it may have been unsafe, but the Navy took a liking to the extremely mobile 
powered operated gun turret featured on the top of the vehicle. Mm. Soon the Tucker turret, air quotes, was being produced for use on the Douglas B-18 Bolo bomber aircraft. In the end, Bolo. (laughs) It's kind of like YOLO. No, I'm sorry. That's so stupid. (laughs) Remember Bolo dog food? Yeah. There was Bolo dog food. Is that still around? Is that still a thing? I don't think so. Man. That's why I brought it up, I think. I don't think I've seen it. We should do a podcast on that. (laughs) Where on earth is Bolo dog food? (laughs) Welcome to today's four minute episode. Asking the hard hitting questions. Turns out it just went out of business. (laughs) They didn't sell enough of that. Yeah. It was capitalism at work. Yeah. Catch you on the next episode. (laughs) So this is another almost, though, for Tucker, because in the end, this was another miss. No Tucker turrets ever made it to the B-18 or any other bomber, and the U.S. government ended up confiscating the patent and royalty rights. Preston Tucker would be embroiled in lawsuits for years trying to recoup royalties for use of his patents on the turret. That's kind of like Jeep and uh, Willys and all that stuff. Yeah. They, they just ripped them off. Ripped them off. Yeah. Preston Tucker, this guy got screwed more than this gal Veronica I grew up with back in the day. <laughs> Every time he turned around, he got screwed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And just like her, she was like the village bicycle. Sleeping you know with saying? the fishes now. Sleeping with the fishes. And she was sleeping with And cre- that's correct grammar, by the way. Fishes. Yeah. You can say fishes. You can. It's multiple species of fish. Oh. If you're talking about how there's like carp and bass and catfish. Could you say, could you use all the, the fishes of the sea? Could you apply that to gooses? I don't think so. Like if there were several <laughs> different types of geese, geeses, oh. geeses, geeses. I don't know. I wouldn't do it, especially around someone that, that was <laughs> a grammar of, Nazi. Yeah. A grammar. <laughs> Back to Hitler. Oh, Damn man. you, Hitler. Oh man. Nine, 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 nine. This guy. <laughs> Sorry. This guy ruined this conversation even. <laughs> When will his wrath of terror stop? Oh, hey man, let me recommend some watching for those of you at home in quarantine. Uh, I get a uh, Tiger King. I know what you're gonna say. No, I wasn't that. Oh no, I'm just joking. I knew you. I knew you were gonna say that. Speaking but I of, it'd be funny to look. I don't want to be one of those guys, but I've been watching and 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 partaking in Joe Exotic's craziness for like three years. Oh, yeah. Oh, I so found, you already knew I all about him, it. I found him years ago. I knew nothing. We should have done an episode, and we could have been famous Oh, because we would have been, been riding in the coattails. He, I, I, I followed his campaign, not for president, but when he was trying to become governor of uh, whatever, Oklahoma. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, and then when he did, my name's Joe Exotic. I'm throwing my hat in the ring for president of the United States. <laughs> He's like, I'm gay. I've had kinky sex, done a lot of drugs, and I'm broke as shit. And that was that was his campaign. Oh, no, I was like, "Hey, man, it's uh, as good as anything I've heard." <laughs> no, but really, Tiger <laughs> hey, King. Tiger he King started is something, didn't he? Yeah, but I wasn't even going to say that. No, okay, go ahead. This is a documentary. I think it's called "The Devil Next Door." It's about a guy who they think was this now not nothing against oh i've seen part of this i know exactly what you're gonna say yeah they thought he was this guy nicknamed ivan the terrible yeah at the gas chambers in trebrink actually i think i watched all that do you think it was him at the i don't know man i don't know i remember the way they made it it seems like you were just kind of bouncing back and forth i I was uh, for one or two episodes i'd be like i think this guy was him and then and then I wouldn't think it. I was like, no, because, you know, they found that the 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 uh, officers themselves, the fellow Nazis, they found reports that they named a totally different guy. 
And they said, oh, well, we can't trust that. But why would they, 50 years before, why would they lie, or 40 years at that, 50 yeah. years? They, they didn't know that 50 years later this other guy was going to be on trial. They were just asked, who was Ivan the Terrible? And they said it was this this guy. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty strong to me. But uh, yeah. can you believe a Nazi? I don't know. They didn't have any reason to lie about it. Yeah, anyway. that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'd have to know all the details around the conversation and the, you know. Yeah, so maybe what else was going on, and yeah, I don't know. It was about John Demnyamyuk was yeah. his last name. Yeah, so just look that up and try to decide whether or not you think he was Ivan the Terrible. Yeah, yeah, I forgot actually how it ended now, but no spoilers. Either no, I won't. You, I won't yeah. say. Yeah, but I I've either watched all that or most of it. Um, um, yeah, interesting story for sure. You know what you need to do? That you, was in it was in the eighties or nineties, right? When that happened, uh, it was nineteen eighty six, I believe. Okay, yeah, when he went on trial. Yeah. Uh, and then he was, you know, cleared of that, mm-hmm. right? No. And then wasn't he cleared of that? And then there was like some kind of civil yeah. suit thing? Yes. Yeah. So they came back when he was like, I don't want to say anything else. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it's all we'll say. Oh, are you in the edge of your seat? Ready to watch it? We're, we got you there. So go watch it. What you need to do, Ivan, is all the Ivans in history are terrible. There's the original Ivan the Terrible, the guy that dug the uh, the, true. the builder's eyes out with a spoon when he said, could you build another palace like this? I think mm, I could. And, yeah. he's like, and then there's this gas yeah. chamber guy at, Tre- at Treblinka at the gas chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, concentration camp, that's what I'm trying to think of. Ivan the Terrible. So you need to like, you Do need to be like good. Ivan the Good or Ivan, yeah. Ivan the Great or Ivan the Okay or something. Yeah, I thought about it, but probably won't. You need to, you need to for Ivans all over the world, you need to... Uh, you need to do that. Yeah, but who's going to do something for Adolf's all over the world? <laughs> That's you're that, screwed. That, that ain't ever. You're, you're screwed. What's your name, Adolf? Oh, oh. Okay. okay. See ya. I think that name. Uh, we're going to go with someone else. Yeah. 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 Anyway. But I'm a really good guy. Don't let that feel. You know. Yeah. Yang, yang, yang. Having a bitter taste in his mouth after his failed attempts at developing a marketable armored vehicle. Preston returned to his shop with the intentions of developing aircraft and marine engines. He soon created the Tucker Aviation Corporation, and after raising some money, developed the design for a fighter aircraft, the Tucker XP-57. <laughs> so he just jumped right to fighter. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like the it's like this failed, so he decided to make and produce organic cat food. It's just like all over the place. Yeah, well, at least it's still like, you know, power plant stuff, but true. yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's see how that went. Not quite as far a stretch as organic cat food, I guess. But anyway, yeah. I mean, close. (laughs) The U.S. Air Force checked out his new project and was quite interested. On the heels of this good news, Preston set to work building a prototype that was to be powered by a straight eight-cylinder engine developed by Harry Miller called the Miller L510. So there were straight eights back in the day. Buick Buicks had a lot of them. That's an eight cylinder yeah. uh, in any, line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In line, like a like a, a six cylinder. Uh, it was a very very long engine. Yeah. Crazy looking yeah. cool engine. Okay. Nicknamed the pea shooter, Preston's fighter was initially in the running for World War II government war contracts until financial problems within the company slowed the development of the prototype, and the USAAC allowed the contract to lapse. It seems another opportunity had slipped through the fingers of Preston Tucker. Oh, man. Poor guy. But did he give up, Ivan? No, I don't think so. No. Because I see you have some more paper there. (laughs) (laughs) Main reason, I know. So, by now, the world was fully engaged in war. 
And although his previous attempts at developing military vehicles for the U.S. government had failed, Preston still saw an opportunity in the market. In early 1942, Preston met Andrew Jackson Higgins, builder of Liberty ships, PT boats, and landing craft. He and Higgins struck up a deal, and Preston sold Tucker Aviation Corporation to Higgins in March 1942. As part of the deal, Tucker moved to New Orleans to serve as vice president of Higgins Industries, specifically in charge of the Higgins-Tucker Aviation Division. This turned out to be a short-lived venture, though, as the relationship between the men quickly soured, leading them to sever ties later that year in 1943. Adding to the disappointment of the failed deal with Andrew Higgins, Preston's longtime friend and partner, Harry Miller, passed away that same year. Preston took it pretty hard. He even helped Miller's newly widowed wife cover the funeral costs. However, Preston Tucker was nothing if not determined. Undaunted by these failed ventures, Preston headed back to the drawing board, quite literally, and began preparations for his biggest project yet. He had designed and built race cars, armored cars, military gun turrets, and even a fighter plane, but now he had something completely different in mind. He would design the most slick, innovative, and powerful car ever made and introduce it to the civilian market. Uh, okay. So get a, getting away from the military contracts, because that always, they kind of let them down. Yeah. Uh, the Dutch and then the Americans. The so now, Dutch. Now let's go to the people. There's two things I hate. <laughs> people that are insensitive of other people's cultures and the Dutch. I love that line. <laughs> uh, Sir Michael Caine. Since 1940, the, De- uh, the Detroit's. The Detroits. <laughs> Hell, those, all of them. Those Detroits. They's a goddamn Geisinger Detroits <laughs> in the 1940. Detroits. Since 1940, many of Detroit's big auto factories had been converted to build machines and ammunition for the war effort. In fact, one paper said that Detroit had gone from Motor City to an arsenal of democracy. Mm. That sounds badass. Yeah, it does. That sounds really cool. The Willow Run plant alone built 8,600 bombers for America and the Allies, and many claimed later that Detroit had actually won the war for the U.S. Buy war bonds. Yeah. Buy your war bonds now. Drink Dr. Pepper at 10, 2, and 4. <laughs> Those things will win the war, boss. <laughs> as great as that was, there was a major casualty in the States, the automotive market. While Detroit had been frantically pumping out military vehicles, the civilian market was all but forgotten. Even by the war's end in 1945, much of what was available at the dealerships were recycled four-year-old designs that offered nothing new or exciting to the buyer. And the big three didn't seem to be in any hurry to offer anything new. In short, millions of Americans had a pocket full of money and were dying for something fresh and different to put in the driveway. So he thought he it was almost like it's a wounded animal and he's the predator. Like it's time to pounce. Like yeah. now is the time. Uh, and it all and it all seems like yeah. I mean that seems very plausible. It seems like that should have worked. Yeah, you would um, have thought it, it. It didn't or it wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, nothing successful ends ends up on this podcast. Do we ever have any that at the end it's like, and everyone lived happily ever after? <laughs> do we have an episode like that? I don't think we do. Oh, man. We're like the black mirror of podcasting. Yeah. Actually, there are a couple of black mirrors that end positive. Are there? No, there's not very many. Uh, uh, Junipero is, is that Junipero? Is that you said that? I don't know. That's what that a positive is. one. That sounds like a, a mixed San drink. Junipero or something. I'll like take that. a Junipero on that. That one's a positive one. And then there's, uh, I don't know. There's a couple. Not very many, though. Most of them, not good. Kind of like Twilight Zone. 
Yeah, there's, a, there's only a few Twilight Zones. The one that I can think of is what the one where the guy does the the big sale to uh, oh the pitch. confuse the devil. The pitch, yeah, yeah the pitch. Man. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, the pitch. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, actually, there's probably more positive ones than than the Black Mirror thing. I think you're right. Though most of our podcast episodes ends with, and all that was ever ever found of young Tiffany was you know one molar <laughs> in a, in a dusty field or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like how you throw that out and both of us just laugh. It's the funniest thing we've heard. <laughs> That's the only thing they ever found about her. <laughs> morbid, man. I've read way too many true crime stories. I'm so immune to it. So, yeah. I'm so, like, desensitized. Yeah. I, I literally... I'm not really, I mean, but um, I'm as I get older, I'm pretty good at being, well, that doesn't directly affect me bad. It's bad for like strangers that I'll never meet, and I feel really bad. And I hope, I hope they don't listen to it and be like, "Man, that guy's a jerk." He made some kind of joke right after they talked about how my dad got killed. <laughs> yeah, remember the Santa Claus episode where we were talking about <laughs> what's his face getting stuck in a chimney in his Santa outfit? And yeah, we're still laughing about oh, that. Those were the good old days, man. It's weird though. Okay, so every single night, it's like my favorite time of day. Uh, everyone's calmed down. We've eaten dinner and everything. And, uh, it's when we go to bed and we're, you know, me and my wife are laying in bed and we got the baby laying between us and, uh, she's got her little lanky and, uh, she's either watching her tablet or she's already fallen asleep. And then my wife and I lay there, she gets on her phone and she's scrolling through, you know, whatever she watches or reads. Mm -hmm. And I get on my phone every night and I scroll through, it's just like true crime stories and disappearance. Oh yeah. And it's super weird because it's like. It's such a, I don't know, it's such a, it almost gives you butterflies where it's like this warm, fuzzy time and we're all safe and secure and we're warm in our bed and it's just such a stark contrast because what I'm reading on my phone is, sorry about my mic, what I'm reading on my phone is, you know, Timothy was last seen in Boulder, Colorado, uh, you know, and circumstances of his disappearance and it'll talk about one, one shoe was found yeah 130 miles it's all this dark mysterious like where's this person at and they're disappeared such like a stark contrast you know what i mean yeah i don't know if i'm no i get what you're saying it's kind of like it's like yeah that's bad that that happened but it's not like you can do anything to directly affect that to make that better right um and it's not you know you're it's it seems like it's worlds away you know it does it really does yeah Especially because most of these cases I'm reading are, you know, maybe happened like in the 70s or something. I mean, really, if you if you think about it, maybe no one should ever, by some logic, maybe no one should ever be in a good mood ever. If you scroll through and look enough and you'll find bad news everywhere. I mean, just uh, sadly, I mean, terrible things are happening right this minute. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, when uh, Kobe Bryant died... Um, I wasn't, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do know that that was a good guy. And he wrote like, he, he did a lot for like inner city people. And he wrote like kids books about never giving up and all this stuff, you know, like I didn't give him back to the, yeah, he, he's a, I've seen some reports. He's a really good guy, a really wow. good dad. And a, from what I know, and a really good father, uh, or a really good husband. Uh, so there was someone that made a comment that said someone that I know, that said, well, yeah, it's sad that he died, but uh, do you keep track of how many people overseas die every day protecting our country? 
And it's like, yeah, that's sad too. So what you're saying is, is we, we, you know, there are like three or four of us. And basically me and my friend had the same point right to the guy. It's like, so we can't talk about Kobe Bryant dying unless it's a day where no one else that's yeah, an American overseas. That string of logic doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like, I, well, yeah, okay, we can talk about that now. I mean, yeah, that's, that's sad. And it's like, well, that's just some famous guy that, you know, that you don't really know. It's like, well, that's, yeah. I mean, you're right about that. But, I mean, we're just talking about something, yeah. you know? It, yeah, you don't have to know. Like, I didn't know Robin Williams either, but yeah, I loved his comedy. I loved his movies. Yeah. It, it affect, I was bummed for like a week when yeah, he died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, and I could see that more because that's, you know, like Hook is one of my favorite movies. I mean, that's it's great. Like, yeah, uh, the the guy was, you know, he made you feel something when you watched uh, his movies. I mean, he's just uh, Patch Adams. I mean, come on. Oh, dude, that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jack, I mean, we can go on and on. Yep. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, that was kind of the logic that that guy had. Where, That's the thing where, like, someone can be, we need, look, we need to bring attention and help the starving children in Africa. And someone's like, well, we're starving children here in America. Yeah, there is. <laughs> a kid's a kid, though, right? But there's problems everywhere. Yeah, it's like, so if there's pro- if there's more than one problem, you can't face anything unless you fix every problem. Like, dude, yeah. that doesn't make sense. If and someone I wanted, if some, yeah, I, I've seen that before where like, well, I, you know, someone sent money overseas to some cause. Like, what about the American causes? It's like, if someone has 50 bucks and they want to send it overseas to help some kids and, you know, hopefully it gets there. Uh, even if you send it somewhere in America, hopefully it gets there. I'd say the same thing, but right. it's their money. They find, they, they are compelled to help them. So I got no problem with it. I can't say anything negative against that person. <laughs> and you know, for any know. for anyone listening that did listen to my short little minisode where I was talking about my take of coronavirus, I'm not a hypocrite because in that in that I talk about all these other things that are just as likely or more likely to kill you, but I didn't mean that in a way that you know, I just burped into the mic. I didn't mean that into That's the, awesome. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a, in the way that like oh there's other bad things so we what are you talking about I was trying to put perspective on why is the media and everyone putting so much emphasis on this particular thing when all you know what I mean that was yeah. my point when all these other things like when you're three and a half times more likely to die in a car wreck today as you are a coronavirus you're just yeah. as likely to get hit by a sure. car walking across the street you're just as likely to die of heart disease actually you're like twice as likely to yeah. Die. So that's what I meant was why are they why did they pluck this one out every year forty to fifty in one year eighty thousand people died from the regular flu yeah so that was my point was yeah oh yeah why it just anytime the media jumps on something so hard I immediately become suspicious sure. I immediately am like what are they trying to divert my attention away from who gains from this hysteria I automatically and I know yeah. it's the conspiracy theory in me yeah well but, I mean it it's we should question everything and, and that's you just bring up a question and and that's the you know that's something you can entertain in your mind and try to decide and try to figure out I, everyone should do that that's how you keep from uh getting the wool pulled over your eyes so to say yeah, so, yeah. idioms part three that's right wool pulled over your eyes <laughs> well it I wonder seems where like that came from back in 1887 a young guy named, named timmy mcdougall was uh milking his sheep and uh he was selling the milk 
And when the people would come in, they would give him however many dollars for the milk, but then they would pull the wool over his eyes and they would take twice as much milk for the same amount of money. Oh, I thought you were going to, at some point, I thought you were going to say that he'd pull something down over them and they'd piss in it. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, this milk tastes sour. Oh, no, no, no. It's good. It's just high, a lot of vitamin D. And, and vitamin D tastes like piss for some reason. Oh. Are you sure you're not pulling the wool over my eyes? No, 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 no. Wait, wait, what'd you say? Wool over? Oh, I think you just started something. I'm going to start saying that. Hey, can we do that real quick? What? I want to find the origin of pulling the wool over your eyes. Hey, let's do it. Let's. We're at 56 minutes. Okay. Uh, by the way, it was at this point that Preston Tucker decided that he was going to design a car to introduce to the civilian market. And we're going to talk about that car on the next episode part two we're doing a part two this time it's kind of like one of those 80 sitcoms all of a sudden you're like hey wait a second they're not gonna be able to wrap this up in 23 minutes <laughs> i bet there's i bet we're gonna see this thing play out with with jesse and zach on the next <laughs> episode of uh what's that saved by the bell oh yeah jesse i was like jesse and were zach. there any two parters of saved by the bell I, I, yeah there was i bet the one where i'm so excited I yeah bet that had to be a two-parter right? i also i also think the there was one, one that's called screech's spaghetti yeah <laughs> <laughs> i what? swear to god yeah he like made spaghetti to enter into a contest i think it was a two-parter yeah <laughs> are you sure oh wait you're, you're you're putting me on no man really i'll look it up screech's spaghetti I'm not shitting you, man. Man, that, there's nothing there. I really? Mean, I, how could you have an episode that long? I mean, I don't know, man. Screeches Remember when the one where Jesse went to Vegas and she tried out for, oh, wait, no, that's not. And she that's, was a stripper? Yeah, never yeah. mind. Never mind. That's, not, that's not a save by the bell. Listen, back in the 17th century, people used to don these elaborate wigs, which looked woolly. Okay, set them on wrong, and you would obscure the vision of the person wearing it. That is the most likely origin of the adage to pull the wool over one's eyes. Nothing about piss and milk? No. <laughs> Oddly enough. Man, I'm taking back that set of encyclopedias. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the misinformation in those. You know, you shouldn't have bought always saved encyclopedias. <laughs> They're yellow with a red line down them. <laughs> I shouldn't have. I knew I shouldn't have. I got the whole set for like 12 bucks. <laughs> a through P. There's not even the rest of the oh my alphabet. God. Yeah. They Listen. just they just went out of business before they got the rest of it. Can we talk about since we're at the we got the business part of the episode, the meat and potatoes of the episode out of the way. Okay. So now we're just free balling, okay? Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about who in my mind is the single greatest creator, artist, actor, musician, musical artist of modern times. Really? And this guy gets no credit. He's laughed at. He's lambasted. He's flamboozled. This guy doesn't get the chops he deserves. And God damn it, I'm going to stand up starting on this podcast. And I'm going to talk about him at the end of every podcast. Not really. Okay, so Kirk Cameron, I didn't know that he no. was a singer. No. Oh, it's not this, Kirk this Cameron? This guy wipes Kirk Cameron off the bottom of a shoe, buddy. Oh, I think most most people do. You ready for this? Go. I got two words for you. <laughs> Corey Feldman. Oh! <laughs> hey, uh, you know my favorite role of his? What? He was one of the Ninja Turtles. He was? Wasn't he? Was or am he? I thinking 
Corey Feldman <laughs> or Corey Haim? <laughs> look it up. Look it up. I will look it up. Go. Oh, my favorite hey, role. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I want to know. I mean, I, I like Corey Feldman as much as the next. Well, not as much as not this as much as guy. me, buddy. I guarantee you. Corey Feldman, I do like him. Has been like a musical him. pioneer for thirty years, and he does not get any credit. He gets laughed at. He goes on the Today Show and he plays an amazing rendition of "Go for It." He gets laughed at. He gets lambasted. You know what I mean? I think I'm using lambasted in the proper context here. I mean, I've never used that word before. <laughs> I've I'm always been af- I've always been afraid I would use it wrong, so I just don't don't try to apply. Since the eighties, was Donatello. By the way, I was right about that. You were right. Yeah. God, that. Even more, even proving my point more, even proving my point more. You add to that, he was in Gremlins. He was in Stand By Me. He was in Goonies. Come on. Oh, yeah, Stand License By Me. I drive. remember that. Yeah, yeah, the kid with the glasses. Yeah. The one kid, the one that, that the guy at the junkyard says, your daddy's a drunk. He didn't yeah. storm the beaches at Normandy. I'm going to call all your fathers except the loony up in Tukas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you've watched that movie. Teddy Lachance, baby. Oh, I've I can't watched... wait till my son's old enough where I can show him that movie. My father. That's stole... one of the things I'm waiting. I'm like, when will he be old enough for me to show him Stand by Me? Because that's, I, I, you know, I showed all my other kids, and it's one of my favorite movies. Obviously, when that movie first came out, which didn't it come out in '86 or something like that? Yeah, it sounds about right. I remember losing sleep. I mean, I was really little, obviously, but when it showed the boy, the dead boy that they finally found, Ray Brower. Yeah, Ray Brower, yeah. That was a messed up. That scared the shit out of oh, me. Oh, yeah. I had nightmares Yeah, I'll about never that. forget that. No, yeah. I, I see his face right now. Yeah, yeah. But I got to stand by me is, I'm not kidding anymore. I wasn't kidding about uh, Corey Feldman either. He's amazing. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, I, I'm. Stand I'm, by me. I mean, I love him and stand by me. You're right. It's one of the greatest movies and what, I just watched it the other day. One of the greatest scenes in it is when he's talking about uh, his. He's telling the story of how Lardass won the pie. Oh yeah, contest. yeah. No, I love that. I oh, love that. Oh, and will, you know, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, he, if you ever watch his YouTube, yeah. If you ever super bored, uh, and it might get you into some board games. Have you ever seen his show Tabletop? No. He plays uh, in some of some of them are celebrities. Some of them you won't recognize. Some of them are like YouTubers and podcasts. They actually play a tabletop game. They he talks about how it works and they play. He talks about the rules and how all the stuff works. And I mean, not like Monopoly and stuff like new new wave, like designed by you know game designers. Like, cool. Yeah, and some of them are really cool. Some of the games they play. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cool little YouTube series. I guess most people probably know him as Wesley Crusher. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah on Star Trek: sure. The Next Generation. Sure. Daughter of, uh, I'm sorry, son of Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Crusher. Yeah. Crusher. What about, I mean, if you want to talk about unsung heroes, uh, Bud Bundy from... Uh, 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 <laughs> David Faustino. Ch- yeah, he's a rapper. I do, Yes, of course, yes. Yeah, I've got, I've got... Oh, if you play some of David Faustino, I'm playing some of Corey Feldman, buddy. <laughs> Let me grab my phone. Let's battle. All let's, right. Let's battle right Let's here. buckle up, people at home. Here's Faustino. Do it. This is called Told Ya. Are we allowed to play this stuff? Well, yeah, we're giving our, uh, credit to the artist. Why does that you sound so... 
down, straight down the business, now you know I just begun. I come with peace, I come with knowledge, not the gun. And when it comes to trouble with my mind, I overcome. The chaos and confusion, cause you know I'm not Sounds kind of Amish. Sounds like Amish paradise a little bit. So you wick whack, nick knack, dick tack, get back. I got the whole style and you know you can't get with that. I got more flavor than the bartending kick set. And when it comes to kitty cats, I gotta have a Is he like a serious art rap artist or kind of an ironic, funny... I, I don't know. Wow. So that's, if you want to vote, go to DonnaMantis.com yeah. and let us know who's better. So that was my submission. Uh, I don't know if, you, if, if Corey Feldman can uh, compete with this, but this Shut has 260,000, not 100, 260,000 views. Okay. Uh, uh, ten years ago, um, yeah. So only two hundred and four down thumbs, one point three thousand up thumbs. Okay. Well, here comes my man Feldman. Are you ready? No. One sure. second. Here we go. Here we go, baby. Listen to these. Your sound quality is already better. Listen to these vocal pipes. I wish you could see these dance moves, brother. Oh, I do too. <laughs> yeah, baby. Just wait. <laughs> Listen to how on pitch he is. <laughs> this I is mean, no auto tuning. It is a pitch. I will, yeah, listen. So I will I will physically fight anyone who says that that is not a masterpiece, that Corey Feldman is not an unsung hero of of the, both music and acting. If I were you, I'd look into some self-defense <laughs> courses. <laughs> I mean, there's a place up in town that, that does uh, uh, karate and stuff. Hey, by the way, speaking of that, uh, uh, whenever whenever your uh, daughter gets older, and uh, uh, um, this is what I want Sagan to do, uh, I want to do the taekwondo and uh, karate. I want to find a cool place, and I, I want to enroll in the whatever Thursday nights. Uh, I think that's really cool. I had a friend in, in uh, high school that uh, or not high school in junior high that did it and he would always come back to school and he would show us his moves and he would lead like at lunch at recess he would lead like a little karate session and, and we then were all and going. then he would drown in pootie tang he well actually now the girls didn't like it he would drown in it the girls didn't really like the guy he was real quirky and and i mean they thought he was kind of cool but you know they rather uh go after the the guy that grabs a, a round ball and runs real fast which of is course. so awesome. Of course. Did you see did you see how he ran away from people holding that inflated thing? Listen, man, that goes back to the DNA to hundreds of thousands of years ago when they would take the young the young child and run from a whole group of marauding savages that were trying to kill it. That's a direct that's a direct correlation from football. That's why women you love think so? especially quarterbacks, because they would throw that baby. Yeah. They would throw the baby that's out probably, of harm's way. That's probably yeah, and another person would catch him. <laughs> And run away from the <laughs> tribe. 
that's probably where that came from. Exactly. That was probably a baby. Yeah, baby throwing. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably and, and and if you drop the baby at the very end of the match and the baby died, everyone hated you. Everyone hated and you. And you were traded to the next tribe the next year. Mm-hmm. Or some people got a little overzealous when they made it into the end zone with the baby and they'd spike it. <laughs> and immediately be like, Oh no. Oh no. no. He didn't. But did you see the catch though? <laughs> Let's see an instant replay on that. <laughs> Roll that back, Zorg. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen. <laughs> we went off the rails. We talked about <laughs> baby football. That's how bad it got tonight. We got away from Corey Feldman. I want to get it back to Corey Feldman. Uh, no, let's not. Can we do an episode on Corey Feldman? Uh, yeah, but not his singing. Let's do his acting chops. I could at least, I could at least, uh, you know. I agree with you when we talk about his movies. I mean, you were talking about Stand By Me, one of my favorite movies, and then you play that clip. (laughs) It's like, come on, that's one of my childhood heroes. His acting eclipses his his musical abilities, which is sad because obviously he's incredible. And he also has Corey's Angels, so that means that he has like four girls wearing white lingerie that play (laughs) with him as well. You saw the Today Show clip. If you haven't, look up, go for it, Corey's Angels Today Show. And Listen, you will see. David Festino just took him to the took him to school. No. Bud Bundy. No. The guy that has a dog that has ESP. <laughs> was his dog named Buck? Was it yeah, Buck? Buck yeah. yeah. He'd always do his thoughts. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. That was funny. And then he died. Remember Buck died. I remember, yeah. And Buck then there was died. an episode that had like the little thing like nineteen eighty two to yeah, to ninety whatever, whatever or yeah. eighty nine or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sad. Yeah, but Buck you know, Bundy. David Faustino, does, does he have a rap name? Is it like DeFoss or something like that? Oh, or, I don't know. He, it can't be his regular name. It's always like <laughs> it's always like Q-Tip featuring D-Well or I don't know. It's always some Q-tip. made up stuff. I think there's a rapper named Q-Tip. I'm not even making that up. Uh, I know that was the guy's name in the little David Chappelle skit with the, the knee-high park and the... <laughs> You know, I don't believe you're happy. <laughs> he may be rich, but he ain't happy. <laughs> so, anyway, what's wrong with you? It's my penis. <laughs> Remember that? And he had all the stuff. It was pretty gross. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, oh, no. He's like, I think you have an STD. What's that? <gasps> Is yeah. that where the... the- they all had puppets of themselves and they were dancing. Yeah, it was like Sesame Street, but they yes, totally, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was a good. Oh. I miss Chappelle. He's very good. He, that was a very good. Show. Hate those new stand-up special. His. I don't even. Is anyone listening anymore? No. Nah. At, at this point, uh, it looks like we lost our last one. Just okay. So it's just you and I now. Yeah, it, I think we're alone now. <laughs> so that was episode seventy-two. We're an hour and ten minutes in. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off for the night? Yes. I'm going to start a GoFundMe to put Corey Feldman, at, to add him to Mount Rushmore, or at least to get him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He has been... Why don't you start a vocal lesson when... <laughs> <laughs> He's been on Dang Howard it, Stern. you're making me talk bad about my childhood hero. He plays... He was Donatello. Yeah. He plays shows to tens of people all the time. He's been on television not for his acting but for his musical abilities many times. You should see his dance moves. He himself has said way back in the day, because, you know, he knew Michael Jackson. Corey, this is a story from him, okay? He was dancing around one day just kind of practicing his moves, and Michael came up and was like, eh, 
see what you, what you got going on there, Corey Feldman. And he taught Michael Jackson his moves. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I get it. Corey Feldman taught Michael Jackson. Which moves? The move, All of them. The spinning around and then the tiptoey thing. The moonwalk. The uh, crotch grab. The, yeah, the I bet he taught him that one. Pelvic th- <laughs> nah, I'm gonna. I think he had that one. I think he already knew about that one. I think he already knew about the pelvic thrust too. There's a pre Feld. There's a pre Feldman and post Feldman Michael Jackson. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. You should YouTube it. You will see it at this certain year. We don't know what year that is, but there's a noticeable difference in style. There is. Um. Yeah, it's when Michael really took off. Was after he met Corey. Yeah, he took off when he was in the Jackson Five. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he was. Yeah, take- but yeah, but he, he was- wasn't the king of pop yet. <laughs> exactly, he wasn't taken seriously as an adult pop singer until post Feldman. Okay, look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a timeline of not just that, but Corey Feldman Forrest gumped his way through history and he has influenced and affected more than you could possibly. Yeah. There's probably a lot more. I mean, there was probably a time where Tom Hanks was watching a Corey Feldman movie and thought acting would be pretty cool. Yes. Probably. I I thought about being a plumber, but that really doesn't work out on the timeline. But yes, (laughs) he, When was Joe versus a volcano? Wasn't that his first? Well, after Perfect Strangers, probably. Yeah, the timeline doesn't work. Perfect but Str- there's got to be some not Perfect Strangers. I was going to say that was Balky Bartholomew. No, uh, Larry not, Appleton. No, I'm talking about uh, 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 the one the first the sitcom he was in with the other guy. Yeah, didn't he cross dress? One of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. B- uh, bosom buddies. Bosom buddies. Yeah. 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 Uh, but there's probably someone maybe like. Uh, uh, the crow, uh, uh, the Russell Crow, Russell Crow. Maybe he inspired him. Maybe he inspired Billy Bob Thornton. Maybe he inspired Bill Paxton. You know who he inspired? Who me? <laughs> you know he doesn't. You know who he doesn't really inspire? <laughs> me. I, but he does when he's Donatello and when he's the guy in Stand by Me. What else? I mean, there's got to be something else. I'm looking up bosom buddies, and I want to know when that. Okay, my uh, my guess is 1984. <clears throat> 1984 is what else? 82. 1980. Oh man, I, I rolled it back, but not enough. Okay, uh, and this will this will be my last rant uh, just on this episode of, about Corey Feldman. But this is going to be a, an ongoing series. Okay, uh, just buckle up, you know. So Corey Feldman was born in 1971, so he was nine years old. When Bosom Buddies came out, that was more than enough time for him to inspire a young, aspiring actor, Tom Hanks. I I stand by that. <laughs> stand by the thing that I made up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I boldly stand by the thing I just heard. <laughs> but it makes you so can't, much you sense. You can't you can't convince me otherwise now. Corey Scott Feldman is an American actor, voice actor, singer, and activist. Where, uh, voice actor. He's probably done some cartoons and stuff. Uh, so when when did he get a start? Tell me the year. Okay. What, be- would, what was the start? I, would, I bet he did like a serial commercial in, in 1978 or something. Okay, his career. Uh, oh, my God. Feldman started his career at the age of three, appearing in a McDonald's commercial. See, I knew it was something like that. That's how they used to farm their talent. Wow. That's how the uh, 
I think that's how Disney got some of their people from like ad agencies and stuff. Really? They, they got the most, you know, uh, congenial kids or whatever, if that's the right word for it, okay. and put them in, you know, start pulling them into like Disney stuff. Uh, Disney used to farm them out. I mean, think about it. Think about the, the talent that they went on to bigger and better things after that. So listen to this. In his youth, he appeared in over 100 television commercials and on 50 TV series, including Bad News Bears, Mork and Mindy, Eight is Enough, One Day at a Time, and Cheers. Mork and Mindy, Mindy, he could have, he, he could have, men, he could have mentored Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. It I, all comes together. I hate to even say that. That sounds so stupid. He was in the films Time After Time and Disney's Fox and the Hound. In 1981, he appeared in NBC's musical comedy children's special How to Eat Like a Child alongside other future stars, Billy Jacoby and George Olden. Anyway, we'll we'll stop for there, but already <laughs> we clearly have evidence without Carrie, without Corey it's Feldman. It's almost like you read through that and you didn't, sit, you didn't find anything good. <laughs> so you're just like, oh yeah, we're going to stop right there after I've researched a little bit. Uh, that, I've, I think I've said enough. Without Corey Feldman, you don't have Tom Hanks. You don't have uh, Robin Williams. You don't have Mork and Mindy. You don't have Bosom Buddies. Therefore, you don't have Castaway. You don't have Forrest Gump. Without Corey Feldman, the without, you take Corey Feldman don't out. Don't forget about Morgan Freeman. I mean, he doesn't apply here, but just don't forget about him. He's a pretty good narrator. <laughs> oh, I'll tie, I'll tie him into Morgan Freeman. I'll damn guarantee you. <laughs> Morgan Freeman heard his, heard his, probably Morgan Freeman had like some kind of squeaky, unattractive voice. And he heard, he watched a, uh, Corey Feldman on the McDonald's thing. And he's like, man, that kid's got a stellar voice. I yeah. got to get it together. Yeah. And then he started talking like Morgan Freeman, probably. Look, I'll stop talking about Corey Feldman, but I just want to end with this. You, you know, you know that part of the beginning of our podcast where it's like too uninformed. <laughs> That's us. That's us, man. You take Corey Feldman out of the equation. You change the entire landscape of the zeitgeist that, as we know it today. That's all I'm saying. So give Corey Feldman some props, people. That's all I'm saying. Give him the respect he deserves, both musically and uh, with, with acting. Okay. Anyway, so if you you know you know talk about the butterfly effect, I mean, really scientifically, you take him out of the equation. There's no telling what it could seriously change. Like so, some uh, okay. Let's just say hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Some young, smart kid is sitting around. He sees how ambitious little Corey Feldman is in an early role. Right. And he's like, hey, I want to be like him. So he stands in front of the mirror. He grabs a microphone. He delivers all the Corey Feldman lines from uh, Stand By Me or maybe something earlier. And he gets really, like, ambitious and he gets confidence. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to go out there and be an actor and I'm going to change the world. But then he has all that confidence that he takes with him into life. And then later on, he realized, well, acting's not really my thing, but I'm going to apply to get in this prestigious, you know, mathematics school. And he goes in front of this old dried up old lady that's been, you know, interviewing kids all day because they, they, she, she just wants the best of the best for their math and science school. You know, no riffraff in. None. And she's like, ah, you know, these next five kids that come in, they're not getting in. We've already got our full slot of, you know, people in this school. So then this kid sits down and he's just, he's just, there's something about him. He's got a sparkle. He's got a twitch. He's just got that, he's just that way that he says things, just that way that he looks at her, you know, cause he's practicing the mirror trying to be Corey Feldman. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we're going to make one more spot for you and then make one more spot for him. The rest is history. He goes on, he graduates out of that and he goes to, goes to a really prestigious high school. Then he goes to like MIT 
and then he goes to like works for JPL, makes a rocket engine that gets the Voyager spacecraft. Wait, that timeline doesn't work out. That's seventies. Anyway, it maybe the space shuttle, all that stuff. He's in charge of all that, and we actually build Skylab and we do all this stuff, and all because of Corey Feldman. <laughs> I'm going to try to make it so that he inspired the Beatles, even though they were popular 20 years before he was born. I'm going to do it. I don't know how. I'm going to do it. It'll have to be time travel. Somewhere. I don't know. I'm going to do it. I don't know how. Yeah. There's got to be a way. But, you know, he did show me that gingers can make a difference. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, now, okay. It's all kind of came home no, now. No, it's not all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's gingeritis right there. <laughs> Not gingivitis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what has happened? That's, you know, this is crashed and burned, but it's okay. Uh, if you're still with us, we love you for it, and we're sorry for it, too. This is what happens when we don't get to podcast for almost a month, and we finally get back together. I know, yeah. It's oh, not my good. God. It's not good. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's episode 72. We hope you stuck around. Uh, talk to you next time uh, on... Preston Tucker, uh, Carla, Future Part 2. Oh, that's what we talked about. Yep. Come back for Part 2 next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, right. They're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you find it interesting when people disappear, disappear. or alien abductions with a probe in their rear, rear, if you enjoy strange stories or messed up news, I think we might just have the podcast for you. Yeah, we talk about things like the Hornet Spook Light, which phobia makes you lie awake at night, and crazy ass murders that are still, still unsolved. unsolved. We even did one on a haunted doll. And so are we And our topics are a very wide variety You can always check us out at DonnaMandis.com We don't mean to brag But we've been told it's You can also follow us on Twitter At DonnaMantis Listen to the podcast on Google Play iTunes, SoundCloud Or wherever you get your podcasts